The scripture for today is Isaiah chapter 60. Let's pray before we hear the word of God. Jesus, you are light and glory, and we are beautiful because you love us. Humble our hearts in this moment and prepare us to hear your word. Guide Matt as he preaches and let this all be for your glory. Praise be to Christ. Amen. You get to see me on my glasses this morning because I'm reading this from my actual Bible and I know it's not me. It's just that the words are getting smaller in my Bible. So this is Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the, si the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them. For the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations." with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They should call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age you shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. 
and instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. And shall, you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and it's time I will hasten it. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Why does God save people? It's essential that we know this. I, um, most Sundays I'm frustrated. I get back and I look at my notes and I'm like, oh, I didn't make that point or I didn't make it nearly as well as I wanted to. And last week that point was the good news of Jesus certainly includes everlasting life, but it is so much bigger and more whole and good than that. The reason that we're looking at the book of Isaiah for Advent is because the writers of the New Testament, when they used the phrase good news, which is one word in Greek, I think in Hebrew too, yeah, two words in Hebrew, um, they were thinking often of Isaiah because he brings up the phrase because he was given a vision of the future of Israel. Why does God save people? To display his glory. And for the good of all people of the earth, and for the good of his people, in that order. Isaiah 60 is the beginning of the unmarred version of God's people. The unmarred image of God's people. The renewed people and what they look like when sin and death and violence and oppression and injustice are removed from the earth. And those who followed God are now in God's city. If you did not understand Isaiah 60, I encourage you to go back and read it again this afternoon with this in mind. It is a vantage point of a follower of God sitting or standing on the walls of the New Jerusalem watching. And it's beautiful. Those of you who are theologically minded, uh, Richard Mao wrote a book entirely about this chapter called When the Kings Come Marching In. It's one of the most encouraging books I've ever read because you can read in times you're reading in your Bible and you'll come across end times things in First Thessalonians or in most of the books of the scripture, Mark 13, the book of Revelation, and it can seem fast. And Isaiah slows us down and gives us breadth, as does Ezekiel. The Lord will arise 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The beginning of the new heavens and the new earth will be the entire world seeing visually the darkness of the nations and the light of the people of God. And that's not a, like a static final thing. When that happens, people will begin traveling to the city of God to worship God with his people. His glory is in you now, but it's not so visible because of the curse, because of sin and pollution. Some of the most beautiful humans that I know have chronic pain. And I think of Peter's description of evangelism, of giving a, be prepared to give an account of the hope that is in you. I'm like, Lord, these people have a beautiful hope that they could share with more people if you would heal them. That's an imperfect illustration, but a reminder that the glory that is in you now, if you are a follower of Christ, if you call Jesus Lord, is hidden. But it will not always be so. And the nations will come because that's the point. When God saves a people to himself, it's that the nations will come and learn what it means to worship the God of love and peace and mercy and justice and not the gods of violence and oppression and capriciousness. Where are they going? I don't know if you love the book of Revelation or it's challenging to you. I don't know if Isaiah was accessible to you, but if we were willing to read the scriptures in the way they talk with one another, it is very worth it. Where are they going? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is Revelation 21. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. It's not because there's no more water. It's changed where it comes from. We talk about that in chapter 22. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The Lord will arise, verses 1 through 3, and the nations will come, verses 4 through 9. This is a beautiful evangelistic season for the good news, verse 6. looking at chapter 59, I'm like, wow, that doesn't say what I thought it said at all. Chapter 60 does, though, which is good. They, shall all, they all gather together. They come to you. Verse 4, your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. This is men and women who understand the message and the people of God with clarity because evil is being rolled back and they're coming. Not everyone comes, verse 12, but many, many come and you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels 
shall cover you. Again, this is a person sitting or standing on the wall watching the nations come to the city of God. They shall, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. They're coming from every direction, bringing gold and frankincense, which reminds you of Matthew 2, 11, when the Zoroastrian dualists brought Jesus some presents, prefiguring Revelation and Isaiah 60. This is part of the prophecies of both Jesus' incarnation and of the new heavens and the new earth. And I don't just say Zoroastrian dualists because it's fun. I did once say it 17 times in a sermon. Someone counted. It was a few years ago. I say it because the other worldviews and religions of the world will turn to Christ. That's what the prophecy is getting at. That's what is being prefigured when the wise men bring gifts to Jesus. Nations will come praising God because the good news is good. And the reason I wanted to preach on this for Advent is because half our hymns invite us to live in the tension of how sweet salvation in Jesus is, which is fully available to us now, but how challenging it is to look around our little worlds and the wider world and to sing about him being king while wars rage. There are at least seven major conflicts happening around the world. The Russia-Ukraine one is bad and is what we Western people focus on for all sorts of reasons, but it's happening all over the world. And we sing joy to the world. That's an invitation to the, temp, to the promises that we receive now because of Jesus' work and the promises that we are waiting on him to fulfill because he who promises them always keeps his promises. A friend of mine referred to the, the time that we're all worshiping together in heaven and the new heavens and the new earth as the time that humility reigns. Until then, there is a tension for us as all the people gather. And listen, this is the, the first time this was prophesied to the nation of Israel, they were in exile in more national and ethnic and religious disorientation than I think any of us can relate to because they were violently, murderously pulled away from their religion and their country and many of their people died. So they're in Babylon hearing this. How could it encourage them? Unless they're confident that God does not forget his people. If Isaiah is too much for you, if you don't want to talk eschatology, if you're not going to go back and read it, if Revelation just confuses you, do you believe that God does not forget his people? And you will need the comfort that comes with that promise this season. Even if it's going to be a busy, joyful, fun season with no respiratory illness and all relatives that you like, you will need the comfort that comes with confidence that God does not forget his people. And perhaps as a follower of Jesus, 
when you remember that God does not forget his people, he will call to mind that friend of yours that might be alone. And if you're not with friends or family, it will remind you to reach out to them. I mentioned this last week, but I have friends who will not see family for the first time in their lives this Christmas. And a lot of that's on them, by the way. Like, it's not like they were just like, oh, I didn't mean for any of this to happen. But it's still very sad. And as a follower of Christ, knowing that God does not forget his people not only comforts me and allows me to believe that the Holy Spirit will comfort my friend, then reminds me to call them. I need to put a note in my phone also, but... And as the people gather, verses 10 through 14, we see the unraveling of evil and oppression and violence and injustice. The things of the world that went only to celebrate kings, verse 13, are now being used to glorify God and to celebrate him. And a wall is being built, or walls are being built in verse 10. Revelation 21 gives us a more, dis- more, uh, a more detailed explanation of those walls. It had a great high wall, talking about the new heavens and the new earth in chapter 21 of Revelation, with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels. And on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And on the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verses 12 and 14 remind us that not all, of, of back to Isaiah 60, not all are going to serve the Lord, but many will. In end times, people and scholars and writers disagree about sequencing and timing, and the worst of them write the best fictional accounts of it, and that's very much too bad. But they agree that eventually the world will bow. To the most beautiful thing about that city, which is the presence of Jesus. Scholars argue that the, the streets are actually not gold. They're reflective of the radiance of him who is in all of God's people also. That is the sweetest thing about heaven and the new heavens and the new earth. It's the opportunity to be with Jesus forever. This is why, I know I already said it, I'm going to say it a few more times. We're almost done with this series. This is why I preached this series, this Advent. We just sang, this, this is Christ the... Of what? Yes, your heart and allegiance, but also a new kingdom where evil and oppression and tears and injustice and violence are no more. There's still work happening in the new city. Verse 14, that work is not cursed. That work is not part of an oppressive system. We're not just going to be walking around singing, though singing will probably be part of it. 
It's my biggest beef with perhaps the most popular hymn of all time. That's not all we'll be doing. People are like, heaven sounds boring. That's why we need to study the scriptures. It will not be boring. There will be good work done by others and done by us that we will enjoy and understand as part of our calling as God's people. The Lord will arise and the nations shall come as all the people gather to see your radiance. Verses 15 through 22. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. While this only is from one perspective, this chapter, and last week it was from four, so that was a challenge, homiletically. Just let me know how I did. Homiletically means preaching. This verse uh, is talking both about our present life and about the nation of Israel and about the future. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated is a reference to the suffering of all of the people of God who in the new heavens and new earth will understand through the recompense of Christ, it's in Isaiah 61 and Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 and Jesus talks about it. Your suffering is not without meaning. Though you are most of the time only given a partial explanation of it in this life, there is the promise that it is fully wrapped up in God's plan. It is not in vain, and you will be recompensed for it. The middle of it is a reference to the nation of Israel's geographical place. And now, the good news is not locked to a geographical place. The good news is from all those whose faith is in Jesus. But both of those are referencing the suffering of the people of God that is going to be removed, but is also part of our radiance. I often wonder if we'll have our physical scars from this life, but we'll understand them and why and how they glorified God and even were utilized long-term to serve neighbor and grow us up into maturity. It's not only that your suffering is part of the radiance, verse 15, but idolatry and the temptations to go to things other than God for peace will be removed and given back in measure. That's verse 17. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And then I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Because though there is work in the new heavens and new earth, we will not need to compensate people the way that we do now. We will not need to oppress them to get things done. Because the root of those things will be gone. And violence shall be no more. Verse 18, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls that are being built during this chapter, you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. And then these verses that are hopefully familiar to you because you've read the book of Revelation, the sun shall be no more because Jesus is there. Your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of mourning shall be ended. 
people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. That's a barrage of references to God's promises to his people. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time I will hasten it. The good news is sweet, and it is broader and further reaching than I think we often remember, and therefore we're less comforted. Jesus appeared on the scene preaching that the gospel, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe. The kingdom, according to Romans 14, 17, is righteousness, joy, and peace. If our joy is simply that we have been saved, it is not full. If our peace is simply that God saves people after they die, then it will not give us as much stability over the holidays as we're concerned. And if your family is all joyful, but you happen to accidentally watch the news, without this joy, without this peace, it is not just about what Jesus does in people's hearts, though that is sweet. You will not receive all that the Lord has for you. We're going to sing joy to the world. Is that not an invitation to the tension between the two advents? And yet with the Holy Spirit's encouragement, we can sing it with expectant joy. Because the one who promises these things in Isaiah 60 and Revelation always keeps his promises. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are thankful for you coming to earth, for you crossing over, experiencing joy and sorrow of being a human. And we are thankful that you will return to put all things to rights. In the meantime, would you comfort us, Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with a joy that cannot be shaken? Would you speak peace to our hearts and our minds? Amen.